0: and welcome to the golf betting system podcast 135 paul williams is with me to discuss who he's backing at the bmw pga championship on the european tour and the shriners open on the pga tour good morning paul morning
1: steve how are you doing
0: we're right good. very good 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 this podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit Golf Bank System with betting previews, with tips, massives of tournament statistics, and our predictor models all available. They're completely free of charge, aren't they, Paul?
1: Indeed, they are.
0: Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. On Twitter, Paul is at Golf Betting. Uh, I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I have just recorded and released my show for the Shriners Open. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them at the start of next week's show. We have a nice review here, Paul. It is entitled, Keep It Up. It's what my missus says. (laughs) Five stars. Nice work, gents. From Melbourne, Australia, making this horrendous lockdown A little bit easier for me, that's for sure. That is from Oz Rowe. He is clearly in Melbourne, Australia.
1: Very nice. Thank you for the feedback and comments, Oz.
0: Very strange times we are living in with this COVID situation. Hmm. Now, many of you will be aware of Sam Harrop, He's the UK-based songwriter who has become a golf social media sensation, performing songs about Tony Fina, that's my particular favourite, Bryson DeChambeau, Benny Ann, and last week, Eddie Petrol. Well, Sam has done us the honour of penning and performing our new podcast theme tune, which we very much hope you like. I have put a link to Sam's social media feeds in the podcast description box and it was an absolute pleasure working with him as i'm sure we will do in the very near future. What do you think to the theme tune Paul?
1: Yeah, i love it. I think it's really good and thanks to Sam for um, for penning it for us. And it's great to see Sam getting so much airtime um on the, well in in social media circles of course, but also on the tv coverage on sky sports as well and uh, well, I sincerely hope that his career goes on leaps and bounds from here, and deserves to. I'm looking forward to the first album, which um, he can't be far away from now. Was he? It must be five, six, maybe even more songs that have come out over the last uh, few weeks and months. So he uh, must be getting close to that uh, kind of album level. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed it really works out for him. But yes, thanks, Sam. Really enjoyed the intro too at the start of this, uh, this week's pod.
0: I'm not telling any secrets because I don't know but I wouldn't be surprised with with Augusta just 5 weeks away that there's going to be something quite special coming mm. up for, for for Augusta from Sam. Yeah.
1: We shall who would, wait it be? And see. would it be tiger. Yeah, he hasn't done a tiger, tiger. one, yet, has he? he? Hasn't done a tiger one. Yet. He hasn't done a tiger one. Yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's not I mean it's nice to see the uh, the feedback and the uh, and the players
0: you know, love it, don't they? Yeah,
1: they do. Yeah, you know, it was clearly Eddie was talking about it in commentary on the um, uh, an interview on the uh, on the course the other day, and uh, he got a response from Lefty when he wrote the one about Lefty a few weeks ago, and uh, clearly yeah, yeah. T- Tony Finau has commented on uh, on his Benny Ann. so, uh, yeah, it's great stuff. I really enjoyed listening to him, and uh, I look forward to each time when he releases a new one, so great stuff.
0: Uh, let's talk about last week. Shall we? I'm not sure I want to, but... Uh... <laughs> Saying that, I mean, if you review the old podcast and like you've gone for a six-week or ten-week period of literally not even getting an each-way place, things mm. aren't that bad. But you and I keep hitting crossbars. Close, posts. Steve. So close. So
1: close you know, I mean,
0: I kept looking at your leaderboard and I kept seeing Brandon Stone, T9 or... Uh, Joe and tied eight and you think oh just one more couple more birdies and we're in we're in with an each way spot and you had Southgate up there at triple digit and they just all never quite did enough to pay no, it. no they
1: didn't no no I mean Louten was the disappointment I guess really because he started so well was eight under after the first round and um, you know, I often talk about Yoast and the kind of things that I look out for with him. And he was leading strokes game putting after the first round, which for him is an absolute, you know, that, that's a crystal clear indicator that he's imminently going to do something. He's imminently going to win. And I expect that Loughton will win something really quite soon because his long game's been looking good and he has started to putt well. And, you know, you tie them two together with him and uh, it, it, it normally... Um, is, is something you can read quite clearly. He's I don't know if you've seen, he's picked up a minor eye injury this week. Um, so, you know again, one to watch out for if you're thinking of backing him, whether that impacts his game or not this week. I haven't backed him this week, by the way. Um, but he's one that I will certainly be keeping an eye on over the next few weeks. But, but yeah, as you say, there was quite a few players who were in the mix. Um, Stone was... Uh, kind of flirting with the lead a few times wasn't he over the course of the four days
0: yeah. Southgate
1: was the, the closest at the end, he does love a little little bit of links um, golf uh, Matt Southgate, but mm. T9 doesn't pay anything back when you're backing these players no. each way, so yeah ultimately disappointing but um, yeah, it wasn't too far off I don't think in terms of my logic Aaron Rye was, uh, was good um, Tommy Fleetwood missed some Putts again, didn't he? He could have won in Portugal a few weeks back. Should have won again um, over the weekend in in Scotland. His putter was that little bit more compliant, particularly with some of those short putts. He missed one on sixteen. Clearly missed that uh, short win in the playoff as well to extend the playoff. Um, but there were a, a number more if you go back through the. I love conference.
0: Tommy. He's a, he's a great bloke. But I tell you what, and you did some work on this, didn't you? I think it's work that we're going to finish off in the winter mm. in terms of. A P and L against players. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. You know, basically how profitable are players over a, a, a short term and a longer term period on sort of European tour and PGA tour. It's a massive bit of work. Mm. And if you back Tommy regularly, you'd be well in the red. the, the price is just. Well, it, of course, he's so popular.
1: It, he's so popular, and he's you know, and, and he's quite such a good right, player, but he yeah. just doesn't
0: win enough. But, <laughs> just you know, doesn't it, win it, enough. No,
1: really. no, no, no. I, you know a. I don't know, a ruthless Tommy Fleetwood would have won the Portugal Masters. He'd have won the Scottish Open and, uh, you know, yeah. would be arriving here on a quest of a wave. And, you know, he's despite the fact, I, I watched him on Thursday at the Scottish and his game looked, I won't say all over the place, because that's a bit unfair, but he certainly didn't look good. Yet, over the course of the four days, you know, he got himself into that position where he was quite rightly the, the favourite going into the playoff, you know, up against Aaron Rye, who... Um, we had, with, with the greatest respect isn't Tommy Fleetwood yeah. Um, you know it, it was Fleetwood who uh, succumbed in the end but uh, that's the way the uh, the way this game goes I suppose Cameron Davis was your big letdown state wasn't he
0: Paul So I just depre- swore you're just you just, just depressing I had a there's so many different ways to get in touch with us clearly you can Sent us some messages on our Facebook group on Twitter, but this one came from Clive Atherton and he messaged me yesterday morning on YouTube. I'll just read you exactly what Clive said. Sergio Garcia, I would have backed my grandmother before him. Thought I was sitting pretty on Sunday. I had both Davis and Ventura like. The whole golf betting community throwing Denny McCarthy and I think we had we had the whole lot covered. And they both bombed out very disappointed. Yeah. Exclamation mark. And that's all I need to say, What can you this is the thing, isn't golf tournaments aren't one over two two rounds, they run over four, and Garcia was just consistent the whole way through. And that link between County, uh, the country country club of Jackson and Sedgefield. Yep. Country club, the Wyndham Championship, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it kept popping up last week. Snedeker
0: was it? in the mix this week, wasn't he? And then he bombed on Sunday. JT Post and at Wyndham last mm. year. He finished third this year. We had Benny Arn last year. Benny Arn has come close to winning the Wyndham Championship. He he was third last year. Uh, jae In plays Sedgefield brilliantly. That's why I went for Siwoo Kim, yeah. um, and then Sergio Garcia won. There was it the 2012 win. Wynd- I think he won the Wyndham Championship the first year they put Bermuda grass into Sedgefield Country Club. Yeah, because before then they'd been bent grass. He won that, and then he just turns up seventy to one, which shows you how badly Sergio had been playing. Even though he still, he was still, and this again. And I know this is something that you and I talk about this time of year, autumn, fall in the States, if you're listening in the States. We always say, this time of year, people that are in danger of dropping out of or on the verge of getting into the world's top 50. Mm. And Garcia yeah. was right in that mould, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, it does. And it's, 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 but it's clearly but done
0: nothing for no. weeks.
1: Oh, his, his form line, if you looked at it, was was really dire. And But yeah, as, as you say, if you kind of put the... Windham links together. Um, there's a nappy factor element in there as well. Yeah. Um, and if you look down the names of the players last week, and then you kind of stumbled across Sergio in that kind of 66, 70 to seventy-to-one bracket, as you said, there's a Brilliant. couple Not of problem. bookies out that kind of price, and um, there, there were clearly people backing him because I mean, you and I looked before yeah. the start, and and there was you know there was enough blue against the name of Sergio Garcia to suggest that. Some people have taken a punt on him and um, Yeah. I mean that shot on, on the eighteenth to win it. Oh um,
0: mate, to two feet. Yeah. That is just that's class. Yeah. And that's the fact of the matter, isn't it? In a field of that poor quality, you know, I said it's, it was a it was basically a hyped up Cornferry tour event. Yeah. of Sergio Garcia at sixty sixes and seventy to one. He does shine like a beacon, but the only reason he's that price is because he's been playing so abysmally. Mm. to Green, it's been re, you know it's been half decent, but the putter has been just absolutely Sergio Garcia like he, he's been putting as badly as Boo Weekly, isn't he? But <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden he finds something, finds the surface he's comfortable on, and starts making a few of those shorter putts. I mean, I watched his first round, and he was still missing tons and tons of putts. Mm. He could have won that by five or six. Yeah, For, on the on the Thursday, the amount of five and six footers he kept missing and he's, you know, and it's still come good for him yeah no, fair play to him fair play to him that, that ensures that he's going to be a, a top 50 player in the world come Christmas and all the uh, invites for the majors come in for next year
1: yeah which absolutely critical for all of these players to, to get into Rider that Cup, yeah. Uh, yeah absolutely yeah, no, with the Ryder Cup being pushed back it's, uh, it just changes the dynamics of all of that for, for these players and yeah it's a big thing for anyway isn't it to get into the top 50 at year end but uh, this strange year, it's going to uh, it's going to create quite an interesting finish, particularly with the Masters. Clearly, the Masters running so late in the year, and the uh, and the OWGR points that are associated with that are going to have a big bearing on what that final top fifty looks like as we head into the end of December. So, interesting you know, I've times been doing to come.
0: This, We've been doing this for a long time. I've never had four consecutive weeks where I've had thirty six hole and fifty four hole leaders.
1: Hmm. And one of them hasn't. That's
0: been four back. on the trot now.
1: Yeah. You're getting closer, and, you know, Steve. The fact
0: they haven't won is almost academic. Clearly, clearly we're sniffing about, we're doing something right. It'll come eventually. Yeah. yeah. That's golf betting. Yeah. That's where we're You'll at. end up
1: getting three on the trot or something, Steve, and it'll be a, a very Merry Christmas. Very Merry Christmas.
0: Right. Two really good tournaments this week oh, for this yeah. time of year. Um we had some a very weak Sarneson Farms. We've got a decent shrine as open over in Las Vegas. But let's start with what we always classify as Europe's marquee event, the European Tours BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth. Over to you, Paul.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was as you say, it was once the tours flagship event of the season, wasn't it? Oh now it's just a Rolex series event, if you can call it just a Rolex series. It still
0: event. gets a top top field though, doesn't it?
1: It relative does, yeah. to a
0: lot of the others
1: yeah, and the, the, the players a lot of the players want to play the tournament want to play the course and uh, clearly in their minds it is still this kind of flagship um, status so um, yeah, it completes our fortnight of rearranged Rolex action after the um, Scottish Open last week actually it should have been a month or so before this shouldn't it it should have been um, closing the Ryder Cup qualifying for the season mm. Um which the way they'd structured it was the first um, BMW PGA last year was uh, was the start of the qualifying and it was going to all end with uh, Wentworth a month or so ago. So it should have been a really exciting finish to that campaign, but uh, unless um, it didn't happen, did it, as we all know? A decent field, though. Late edition of Patrick Reed um, meant that some of the early books had to be adjusted. Um, he he was put in. They've done this a few times, Steve, haven't they? It throws a bit of ridiculous. a ridiculous, bit of a curveball in at ten thirty. You telling me,
0: o'clock. Patrick Reed didn't phone, he? Found him up on Sunday. I'm in the States, European tour, but I've decided I'm I'm on my jet. I'm coming across. Yeah, they you must th- have known about this days or weeks ago. Can
1: you throw me an invite at ten thirty on a Monday morning, please? Mm. Yeah, so. Um, they did throw uh, throw things into a little bit of disarray, but uh, the books adjusted. They stuck uh, Reid up as the favourite alongside Tommy Fleetwood at eleven to one apiece. Uh, Till Hatton's playing sixteen to one. Justin Rose eighteen to one. Matt Fitzpatrick eighteen to one. Eric Van Royen played some nice stuff last week. Van Royen, twenty five to one. Uh, Thomas Peters twenty eight to one. Shane Lowry twenty eight to one. He's been backed in quite considerably. Uh, Shane Lowry, Matt Wallace, Lee Westwood, who played some nice stuff last week, 33 to 1. Uh, 35 to 1, bar those players. But as you say, a decent quality field, only 120 in the field this week. Um, clearly, we've got less daylight over here in the UK at this yeah. later point in the year. So um, a, a kind of a more uh, shortened field, which um, should make it again interesting over the weekend as the uh, cream. Rises
0: What to the, the top. what have the bookmakers done? How have they um, treated European tour punters this week with each way places?
1: Yeah, there's a few that have pushed out to eight each way, and um, the normal protagonists, as you'd expect, um, the Paddy Powers and the Betfairs and the uh, the ball sports of this world, um, But yeah. nothing nothing huge. You know, the, the, we have seen with some of these events where they've gone, you know, really stuck the neck out, and some have gone beyond even eight places, but uh, but still eight places in a. One hundred and twenty man field is decent, I think, and uh, I've actually used a few of those for some of my selections further down the uh, further down the uh, preview, and uh, we'll mention those in a second as we get to that point. The um, West Course at Wentworth, um, Harry Colt Classic, as we know, early L's made some updates in two thousand and nine, which uh, weren't overly popular. Um, Updated again in 2016, um, which has been far more popular with the changes that he's made more recently. And actually, that that latest set of changes was to go back really to Colt's original vision with um, a bit more of an open course. You and I have seen it. I mean, ordinarily we'd be uh, looking forward to, to getting off down to. Uh, to Surrey for some golfing action later in the week. And a few
0: pilsners, yeah. Pilsner, yeah, Wells.
1: Yeah, and we, we've seen it with um you know with, with the renovations and uh, they've opened a few of the green um, entrances up. They've got rid of a number of bunkers. Um, the greens were the main thing, and you and you know, I again we've seen it over the years where the greens have looked really quite tired and um, yeah, more poiana than than bent grass, but mm. um, They've been completely relayed. There's a sub-air system in there. They've been relayed with um, creeping bent grass. And last time we were there, they looked really quite good, didn't they? They were very smooth, very 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 pure. Um, Which I think makes a hell of a difference to this course because there was getting to a point um, where a number of the players were starting to boycott the event simply because they felt that the course was getting to the point where it was almost um, tricked up and unfair in some instances and the greens were they were really quite poor in some cases. So uh, I think the changes, the most recent set of um, Ernie else changes have been very well received. But fundamentally, it's still the same track. It's still a classical Parkland track. Um, there's a bit of Heathland kind of feel to it, particularly as you get up around the turn at the um, the far end of the course, around, the, um, around by the, uh, the train line area, around, yeah. the, around the turn there. Um, but... In terms of distance, seven thousand two hundred eighty-six yards. It's it's not short, but it's not overly long. Um, and as I say, you've got these new bent grass greens, which make all the difference, I think, in terms of playability. Um, when you get to the uh, to the business end of the course, the event, and also each of the individual holes. Looking back historically, uh, twenty ten, Simon Khan was the winner at two hundred to one. Luke Donald won the year after at fifteen to two. And he defended successfully a year later at eight to one. Donald, at the time, was um, he was a real, real force, wasn't he, in the in world golf back at the early uh, t- tens of uh, to the well, 2000s. number one. He was indeed, yeah. Whether he was number one right at that point of winning those two, events, I forget. But uh, it, it had been right in the uh, in yeah. the vicinity, wouldn't he? Twenty thirteen was Matteo Manassero sixty six to one. Actually, we've seen a little bit of resurgence from Manassero recently. Mm. Won the um, won on the Alps Tour a week or so back. So interesting to see some positive form coming out of Matteo after a few years in the wilderness. Twenty fourteen was Rory McIlroy at fourteen to one. Twenty fifteen, Benny Ann hundred to one. Chris Wood sixty six to one. Alex Noran won in twenty seventeen at twenty to one. That was the year we were on. And that was the year he shot something mad, was it 10 under, I think, final round and then uh, sat in the clubhouse while the uh, the weather started to close in and uh, no one could get close to him, which was fantastic to see. Very, very unusual for that to happen to one of our selections, Steve. It's normally completely the other way around. He's uh, yeah.
0: normally missing four footers on the first uh, on the Sunday. So really uh, yeah. putting the dagger in earlier. Uh, yeah, hey, I'm there. surprised he's not playing, Noren, because he's actually he's been making um, some decent um, paychecks over in the States mm-hmm. recently. Yeah, yeah,
1: he's been playing some decent so stuff. So clearly,
0: I think he must be based over there now, and he's he hasn't fancied coming back for this, but yeah. Noren... Yeah. Norrin on bent grass in this kind of temp these kind of temperatures in Britain at this time of year. I'd have been all over him.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, he clearly clearly enjoys the track as well. he would have been a tempting mm. addition to the field had he had he been over this week, but alas not. Uh, Francesco Molinari won in twenty eighteen at twenty twos and Danny Willett was last year's winner at a massive sixty six to one. Um, it's interesting when I go back and look at my previous notes and my previous analysis and uh, Danny Willett Um, was top or close to top on a number of the uh, metrics that I used last year. And I've used them again this year, and it's kind of shaped why I've selected my top selection
0: this week. What are those metrics?
1: Uh, Well, I'm looking at historically um, things like uh, performances on European, specifically European tour, bent grass greens, specifically um, tree line tracks on the European tour, and specifically uh, classical style tracks as well. So kind of adding that into um, the more uh, traditional stats and seeing where that kind of takes you. And Willett was very strong in all those metrics um, last year, but he'd come over to the uh, to, to Europe. He'd played, um, was it Cranston or Sierra, I think, a week or two before. Right. Um, and he was massively fancied for that and missed yeah, the cut. the cup. And, um, you know, everyone looked at that and they thought, well, oh, you know, clearly there's something not right. Well, it was pushed out of 66-1 to 1 and, and promptly won, which yeah. if you could have overlooked that performance, there was yeah. some decent... Yeah. Before that, like
0: Danny Danny it wins, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. He yes. did the same the year before, we were down in South Africa. We were yeah. all on in the week before. Missed the cut. Next outing, was it Ned Bank? wins a big tournament.
1: Yeah, frustrating if you you know you've almost got to look at it and say well I know Danny's playing well because I think he'd finished 6th or something at the Open Championship a few weeks before that. So clearly there was a lot of form there, but you know yeah. you can get kind of polarized and polarized and blinded by these single performances where there could be any multitude of reasons why a player doesn't perform. But uh, but yeah, in hindsight 66 to 1 was huge and uh, I was nowhere near it. So uh, that was uh, you know, by the bye, I guess. Um, in terms of how playable it's been over the last couple of years, um, Bolinari won at 17 under. Willett was 20 under last year. So clearly the changes to the greens, changes to the uh, bunkering and changes to the way the uh, the, the whole setup up in terms of entrances has made it a little more scorable because we did often see single figures winning the BMW PGA historically unless it was particularly uh, soft like it was the year that Benny Am won. Um, again it does depend on the conditions as to how playable it is here. storm alex that we saw last week's gone but thursday and friday we're expecting some wet weather again some drizzle saturday and sunday should be cooler but drier um 10 to 15 miles an hour during the course of the four days bit so,
0: soft soft yeah, golf
1: course absolutely you and i know how wet it's <laughs> been here over the weekend it was the, the weekend here in the uk was an absolute write off in terms of the sun part of the uh, some part of the country and escort um, the, the local area to, to Surrey and to, to Wentworth this week won't have escaped that. It will be absolutely sopping wet there, particularly around yeah. the rough. So, so yes, soft, Steve, is exactly the way I'd describe it. And um, for, for me, though, you go back historically, look at the players who play well here. I think you need an all-round, all-round game. It is tree-lined. You've got to avoid the trees. You've got to hit greens, but you've also got to scramble well. I mean, last year, five of the top seven were top in the top seven for greens in regulation. But scrambling is often one of the most important features here. Willett was eighth for scrambling last year. Molinari led the field for scrambling the year before. So getting yourself up and down around these greens when you miss them. Uh, Bogey avoidance. Um, But again, you've got to play well from tee to green. You can't be hacking out of the trees all the time. So you need a lot of um, all-round game, I think, to, to play well on this particular track. And of course, it's a Rolex series event. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of money at stake. There's a lot of points at stake. Um, it it does, does tend to, to suggest that the, uh, the the cream will rise uh, readily to the top as the tournament progresses. Again, looking at the players who play well here or won here, a few flashes of form um, rather than, you know, massively in your face results seems to be the, the way to attack this. Um, Willet and Francesca Molinari both missed cut on their the previous start. So neither of those were, you know, this kind of massively uh, you know smack you around the face, you know, huge form coming in. But um, a little bit of under the radar off form, a few good rounds here and there um, would would be good. Course form tends to be positive. Benny Am was on debut. and um, that was a bit of an outlier because it was a very soft year. And everyone else on that list I read back to twenty ten had a top ten finish here prior to their victory, so a, a decent finish here in the past, a decent performance, um, does not go amiss. I think if you put it all together, um, you need a classy sort, you need someone who's tidy from tee to green, someone who's going to like these bent grass greens as well, and, and someone who's been flashing a little bit of a uh, little bit of form here and there, um, without really setting the world alight, would be the the way that I'd suggest to go this week and boiled it all down i've gone with four in the end and i've led with justin rose this week at 18 to one and this takes me back to the point about danny willett because if i put exactly the same metrics in exactly the same process that would have found danny willett last year it points me absolutely to justin rose in terms of treeline tests, in terms of classical tests, in terms of bentgrass greens, the whole shebang Justin Rose is sitting there very, very close to the top or at the top of my analysis. So rather than fight it, I've, I've gone with it this week. Um, and if you look at the previous winners here, the recent winners here, five of the last 10 were 22 to one or shorter. So 18 to one this week about Justin Rose felt um, felt like it was writing the right kind of um, target price point as well for the eventual winner here. And You can't discount the fact that Tommy Fleet with Patrick Reed, could go and win this. Um, Patrick Reed, clearly the strongest um, world-ranked player here this week, uh, ninth in the world he is at the moment. Um it does support the European Tour a lot, but if you look through his record, and he must have played 20, maybe 30 European Tour events over the course of his career... Um, no wins, you know. He's come close a few times, but no um, regular European tour victories. And uh, for is topping the, uh, topping the odds this week. Um, that's a little bit off-putting. Um, Fleetwood, we touched on Fleetwood quite a bit at the start, and if he was a little bit more um, aggressive, a little bit more, uh, you know, able to convert when push came to shove, I think he would be a, it'd be a strong pick this week. But um, but yeah, you kind of get the feeling, with Tommy, that there may be another second or third or fourth and looming without a uh, without a victory. We shall see. I mean, going back to Justin, he avoided the cold and the rain last week. And he should be fresh coming into here. And there's been some recent signs of positivity since he split with Honma. Um, third at the Charles Schwab, where his long game looked good. Um, he was decent at Tita Green at the Heritage just after that. Ninth at the US PGA. Again, that correlates well, I think, with um, what I said before about... Um, about Willett having played well at the Open Championship a few months before and then coming here. Um twenty-fifth at the Northern Trust as well, a couple of decent rounds in there. And again, his um his long game looked really quite good. Um Mr. Carter US Open, but again, I'm not overly concerned with that. Um I think he's had a few weeks now to uh, to to get his head around that and I think his mind should be properly focused as he comes into this event. He turned 40 in July often we see players start to um you know kind of think about their uh, next 10 years I guess at that point and, uh, and really buckle down and uh, and see where their form can take them before they, uh, they head off towards the seniors so interesting decade or so coming up for Justin Rose a couple of Rolex wins to his name already two runner-up finishes here at Wentworth he clearly gets on with the track I'm sure he would absolutely love to win this event this week um, and again, you know, it is the kind of name that you wouldn't be surprised at all to see take another Rolex series event here this week. Can um, I help
0: I'm, you out? Don. I'm in the nuts and bolts of our predictor model. I'm in mm. the engine room, Paul. Okay. And I'm looking at PGA Tour statistics. Yep. In our predictor. Justin Rose ranks across the last five years on the PGA Tour mm. as the. 10th uh, best player on soft golf courses on the PGA tour mm-hmm. and as we know they do like a soft golf course in America. Number one is actually Brooks Kepka who's destroyed soft golf courses in majors JT2 Jason day three clearly day was so good back in 15 so there's you know it's a rolling number. The other interesting number with rose is if I look at pure bent grass greens on the PGA tour over the last five years, he is number one yeah. for results yeah. in America on pure bed grass Yeah, on the PGA Tour. Yeah, he gets on. That's with, a crazy number.
1: He gets on with the surface, and uh, yeah, it's good. It's good to see those numbers back up the the European analysis as well, because clearly it's a global game. This isn't it, and uh, you know he's clearly a um, massively talented player who. Uh, you know, it should and could go very well this week. So yeah, fingers that, crossed.
0: That that bent grass mix also includes within the top fifteen Rory McElroy and Francesco Molinari, yeah. who are both Wentworth winners as well. Yeah, the they are, yeah.
1: nice. Yeah, yeah, and you, you know, he's you, you throwing Danny Willett, who's clearly one at that uh, uh, the Augusta, Augusta yeah. yeah, with you know mm. with its bent grass greens. There's, there's a lot of correlation there, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so fingers crossed with Justin Rose, eighteen to one this week. Um, Ian Poulter, I've backed up Rose with Poulter. There's it, a few players who impressed me last week. One of them was Poulter. I thought at one point he was the very most likely winner to, to go on and win last week, but um, it didn't quite happen. He got caught in some of the worst of the, the rain on Saturday afternoon, and then um, a double on Sunday really put paid to his chance. Um, but uh, you know, he, he finished with a couple of birdies on sat uh, Sunday that will give him a little bit of a boost um, even though he was massively disappointed as you'd expect not to have converted there sixth in the end which was uh, which was good um having uh, been off for a few weeks uh, it, it's been solid in america though. he's been playing over in the european over on the pga tour over the last few months and uh, showing some positive signs first round leader at the heritage fifth overall at the work they opened 22nd at the USPGO and a couple of decent rounds at the Northern Trust as well. So in some decent company over there and some strong finishes as well. Again, going back to the old course and the pre-most recent changes, Poulton was one of those more vocal critics of the original sets of changes by Ernie Els. Um, And he really didn't like the greens here. And that much was evident. I think he missed something like seven of his first eight cuts here. Um, as a younger player and since the changes have started we've filtered through including the greens have been changed he's, he's made six of his last seven cuts here um, he's got a top ten in that time as well and when I've listened to him when I've, I've read some of the uh, interviews back He's been far, far more positive. He's been purring about the quality of the uh, the new pu- uh, putting surfaces here at Wentworth. And I think an inform, and clearly we saw that last week, an inform form Ian Poulter coming to a track that should suit, that he's not particularly played massively well on in the past, but um, that he's got more positive vibes about, I think that could, uh, that could spell something really positive for him. And... Again, touching on what we said before about motivation. Poulter is currently fifty eighth in the world, and um, he's only got a couple of invites for you know, a couple of the majors. But next year, he needs to get invites to all of them. Clearly, it's a Ryder Cup. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that if Poulter doesn't qualify automatically for the Ryder Cup, I'm sure he gets a pick. You know, is that if, and it, it, as, as, long, as long as he's not lost an arm by that point, I'm sure that him Poulter still gets in the team. But for his for his own. Um, mentality for his own peace of mind I'm sure he'll want to qualify automatically for the Ryder Cup and he needs to be playing those majors next year when Ryder Cup qualifying restarts in January so um, getting into the top 50 is his golden ticket to making sure that all happens. So I think that's going to be a massively motivated Ian Poulter. And this is, a, you know, given the events that have got got left in the calendar year, and um, this is a huge one for Poulter to really play well in. So I'm, I'm expecting big performance out of him this week. In Poulter at 40 to one, um, a couple of long shots to finish. Um, David Horsey, 150 to one. I'd actually um, semi. Uh, articulated how I was going to uh, going to write my preview and write my tip for David Horsey by Friday last week and you know as well as I do as soon as you've kind of got into that mindset you look at a leaderboard and you know damn well that that player is just going to be coming through and really making a, a a performance that starts to 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 push his price down so um 14th in the end last week. Wasn't too bad. It's slightly under the radar, but clearly it backs up some other good form that he'd been showing um, since lockdown. Actually, Horsey'd spent a lot of time working on the basics again and uh, getting a lot of his fundamentals right during lockdown. It looks like that's really started to wash through into his game. He he won a low-key event um, on his local course after coming back, and then he um, finished 14th for the Close House of the, uh, for the British Masters, 6th at the Celtic Classic, um, top 10 at Valderrama 14th last week as I say and he's the kind of neat and tidy player that could play well here particularly if he's putting well um, he led here after the first down, debut back in 2009 7th in 2011 behind Luke Donald when, when he won um, and 150 to 1 with 8 places I've taken this week that is um, a chance I'm happy to take as is at the same price Shabanko Sharma 150 to 1 again with 8 places each way um, you remember Sharma, he's only 24, Sharma, he feels like he's a bit older than that to me. Um, he looked like a real superstar in the making a couple of years ago. A couple of European Tour wins. Um, he contended at the WGC Mexico, you recall. He was leading into the final round there before, um, I think that was the lefty one, wasn't it? At CIMB Classic, He again, he led after 54 holes on the PGA Tour. Um, and Didn't quite make another top 10 finish there, but uh, a couple of really... Decent, prominent performances from Sharma. And not much since, really. Seven for the Hong Kong Open, a couple of top sevens at the Italian Open, and Turkish Open last year, but nothing major. Although both of those were at this time of year. So perhaps it's that kind of um, time where his game and uh, he kind of focuses on his performances and... uh, it starts to wash through into his uh, results. We shall see. There's been a few signs of life, though, recently. He made the cut of Villamora, which was a step forward. He was 26th last week in Scotland from the tougher side of the draw. And there really was a, a draw differential last week. It was around about four shots between the um, the early late's and the late earlies who got the better of it, the latter. So, um, uh, and yeah, Charmer was on the wrong side of that. So to finish 26th um, was a good improvement. Seventeenth here last year on debut, third going into the final round. So got to grips with this new, the refined setup here at Wentworth quite readily, and he'll know more this time round having uh, got a good look at it last year. Seventeenth overall, as I say, but was in a decent spot heading into the final day. So yeah, high hopes of Sharma at one hundred and fifty to one, horse at one hundred and fifty to one, and then towards the top of the market it was Ian Poulter. At 40s and top of the shop, Justin Rose at 18-1 to for me this week. Who do you fancy, Steve? BMW PGA action?
0: Well, there's one particular player I think has been playing quite nice stuff under the radar. Hmm. And if you look at um, Danny Willett last year, as you said, he missed the cut on his outing before winning this. Yeah. But you actually look at how he'd been playing in the in the States, I think he finished like top six at the open championship. And then he'd he'd put in some half decent performances on the PGA tour. Yeah. yeah. um, And was driving the ball very, very nicely strokes gained Um, Molinari. The year before that was just coming into a real vein of form, which ultimately led him to win the open. Yeah. Um, I think he was, he'd ranked something like first for strokes, gained tee to green the outing before. The one player I think is just playing some really nice stuff at the moment, bearing in mind he finished 13th at the US Open and was right in the mix last week at the Scottish Open, despite all the travel and despite his age, is Lee Westwood. And I just think 33-1 to 1 about Lee Westwood is um a, it's not a bad price in this field. No. And you just look at Westwood recently. I'm just looking at our form line at Golf Betting System on the event stats. There's a 12th in there. There's a 10th. There's a second, there's a ninth, there's a fifteenth and a fourteenth over the last, uh, fifteenth and a fourteenth in the last two of his four outings here. I think Westwood's playing some, some nice golf right now. Yeah. And I always remember going back, oh, a good five, six years when Rory was destroying fields in the States on soft Parkland golf courses. You and I would always say if the, if the, if the golf courses, Soft, and it's Parkland. There's two other players that will get in the mix. One will be Phil Mickelson, and the other one will be Lee Westwood. Mm. He's a poor man's Rory McIlroy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think the, 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 the turf, the cut in the turf, the relatively soft greens will all play into Westwood's favour this week. And he's been putting for Lee quite quite well. He does seem... Well he, enough, anyway. He, he,
1: seems, he seems rejuvenated, doesn't he? Content. He's... he's um... He's not ready to hang up his uh, his, his golf spikes yet and, uh, and and call it a day. He's, and he's still competitive, isn't he? I know last week he was he was leading after the first round, wasn't he? And he, it didn't quite work out for him in the end. But uh, there were a number of players who kind of succumbed to the conditions over the course.
0: He's of the flashing course. good scores, though, isn't he? He is,
1: yeah. yeah. No, it's, uh, I can't put you off, really, because uh, I can see the logic in, in all aspects of it. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how he goes
0: the the other thing with westwood would be and we're, we go, we I mean we're talking about this so far ahead of where we need to but if for instance I don't know how many captain picks there are but you get into the stage with lee where if he didn't qualify automatically do you think he'd actually get a captain's pick just you know mm-hmm. where the career's at and what he's actually done in recent Ryder Cups when he has been a captain's pick it's kind of up in the air. It isn't It isn't as guilt-edged as it would have been in previous renewals of the Ryder Cup.
1: Well, I think you've probably... You've
0: also got other players, you know, like Garcia clearly won last week, yeah. but Stenson's falling down in three. There's a lot of big-name European players. Francesco Molinari hasn't been seen. He's actually playing this week. There's a lot of big names in on in, in Europe that aren't playing the greatest of stuff at the moment, and we've got a new wave of young European talent. And, it, you know, would Lee get a spot? Who knows? Well, this but is the point. Boys, he he gets a spot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the point is, um, it depends who are the players who fall into those automatic spots. Because if it's a team that's largely made up of young rookies, then there may be a point at which Paddy Harrington turns around and says, well, I need some support. I need some, uh, you know, some wise, uh, you know, experienced players who have been here, done it and uh, and need to bolster this team up. And, you know, we kind of saw that last time, didn't we? With some of the captain's picks. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a fascinating year, isn't it? You know, we've, we've been starved of that opportunity this year with, um, the Ryder Cup but it does give us another whole year to uh, to enjoy the build up to it and the qualification process so
0: I think it's safe to close with Lee that he's clearly having a renaissance back mm. in the top 50 in the world at 42 that isn't guaranteed and that's another motivating fact you know it isn't guaranteed come Christmas if he had a poor run right now yep. and uh, you know, he won the Dubai Desert Classic this year, didn't he? So yeah.
1: oh, he's still competitive. Absolutely. Oh, sorry, Abu
0: Dhabi HSBC yeah. one. Yeah. So yeah. 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 he's right. still very competitive yeah. at a European tour level. So I thought 33s were a good price. Right, Shriners Open, or let's give it its full title, shall we? The Shriners Hospitals for Children open. Always a mouthful. But as um full series events go in the States, it's always one of the better fields. Um, I know I shouldn't call it the full series, but you know I'm, I'm old style. Um, it's still a full full event. It's it's a better one though. And this year around, because there's no Asian Tour swing, CJ Cup, which used to be played in Jeju Island or does is now being played in Las Vegas next week. Mm. And then we have got the Zozo Championship played in Japan last year, clearly now being moved to Sherwood Country Club in Los Angeles. You've got a bit of a three week. West Coast Swing. Yeah. And it's meant a very good field. Um, Bryson DeChambeau, who's won him in the past and the US Open winner from a few weeks ago. He headlines, 7-1 to favourite. We've also got the the uh, likes of Webb Simpson, uh, Colin Morikawa, Tony Finau, Louis Oosthausen, Matthew Wolf, the new sensation, Hideki Matsuama, all from the top 20 in the world. Then you can throw in the likes of Paul Casey, who's added this to his schedule, Sun JM Abraham Anser, Matt Kuchar, Scotty Scheffler, Kevin Nahr, Ryan Palmer, Harris English, Jason Dane, Ricky Fowler, all from the world's top 40. So it's a decent event. Um, I don't know why they're attracted to Las, uh, to Las Vegas. I've got no idea <laughs> why millionaire golfers would like to go to Las Vegas, but um, <laughs> that's something they choose to do. And this, this tournament will always go down as the tournament, the first ever PGA Tour victory for one Tiger Woods. So... Um, yeah, it's a good it's a good field. I'm 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 I've been very interested to try and decipher it this week. They play this at TPC Summerlin. Uh, they play it on a seven thousand two hundred and fifty five yard par seventy one golf course. Las Vegas is a a kind of low level of altitude, but it is at altitude. It's desert, thin air. Um, the ball travels a long way. Uh, all three of the par fives are reachable to the whole field. <clears throat> and you just get a completely... It's one of those um, resort golf courses where literally any style of play can win. You know, Kevin Narr won last year. Kevin Narr, a fantastic putter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a short hitter. In no way a ball striker. And the year before that, Bryson DeChambeau, long, incredibly long. You know, a ball striker. But another decent putter, as we know, um, a very good putter, Um, he won it. So you you just get different styles of play can be competitive around here. Nothing, you know, no style of play literally rules you out of winning this. And you get, you know, you do get that on certain uh, resort-style tracks in the States. Last year, this ranked as the third easiest golf course on the PGA Tour. The greens are big, 7,400 square feet average. They feature A1 stroke A4 bent grass. Uh, four of the holes have water in play. It's a um, it's a weed Zella design from 92. One thing, uh, there's a couple of things about the course though and, and this is the angle I'm coming at this week. Um, I, you know, I look at who's won in the past and what they've done and whatever. But it seems to be one of those rarities on the PJ Tour where you need to be able to drive the ball in the fairway. I know. Not many of those. There aren't, are there? But this is like a 10-year trend, poll. Um, Let me just take you through um, the last 10 winners... Going back to Jonathan Bird, I can remember him winning that. Was it a hole in one? He won it with in twenty oh, ten. Yeah, yeah. Martin Laird in a yeah, playoff, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, was, so it was almost dark, wasn't it? Yeah. And then we're we're coming through to Kevin Narr. So, driving distance, so I'm averaging out the winning skill sets of each winner each you know every year across ten winners. Driving distance twenty eighth, low. Driving accuracy eleventh. Now you do not see that in the <laughs> states very often. Green's in reg 15th, proximity to hole 33rd, scrambling 22nd, putting average 6th. So driving accuracy is the, mo- is the second most important statistic over the last 10 years. Mm. Yeah. That, on the PGA Tour, is a huge rarity. And puts me off the likes of Tony Yeah. You know, someone that I-, I I put in my preview, someone that is indiscriminate off the tee who doesn't feel that make, hitting fairways is important, over the long term here, probably won't win the tournament. I'm not saying they don't finish second, third. They get you in each way place. But historically, they do not win.
1: No. And that kind of makes sense for Kevin Nard, doesn't it? Because Nard can be one of the more accurate players. Um, and clearly, as you said a second ago, is one of the very best putters out there as well. And... Um, when you get him on a week where he's he's doing both of those aspects well, then he's he's a very strong player. He, he wins a lot more than he gets credit for. Kevin yeah, Nart. and he
0: wins everything on bent grass. Mm. <laughs> every, every tournament he's won yeah. is bent grass. Yeah. Here you go. This is how I put it in the preview. T.P. Summerling, in effect, is a positional golf course where outright brute force is negated to a neutral type setting. As Kevin Nart said last year, and I quote, this is a great golf course for me. I think you have to really drive the ball well and keep it in the fairway so you can control the spin. I know the roughs are not deep, but because of these greens and some of the hole locations, you have to hit the fairway to be able to spin the ball. You don't have to bomb it out here. Anybody can win on this golf course.
1: Yep, there you go.
0: So if you're you know if you're T4 Tony and you're constantly out in the rough you you're just not going to be able to get the ball ultimately close enough and create enough birdie opportunities to ultimately win this. Yeah. yeah. In my opinion. No, no I can see.
1: I can see the logic perfectly.
0: You know and I'm sure all the strokes game models will tell you that Tony Finau's pop in this week but for, I personally would have someone that's got more accurate Drop and yes, he can use irons off the tee and three woods and whatever, but he doesn't like to. And you know, historically, he hasn't done it hit hit enough fairways here. We've also got a slight um uh, elephant in the room this week. Thursday and Friday look like the typical Astrodome desert golf. You know, it's gonna be nice and warm, of course, it's gonna be soft in the morning. You know, yeah, 10 unders, 10 unders in play, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then Saturday and Sunday pop up and it gets colder and the desert wind cranks up in the afternoon like we often see over in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Yeah, um, You get wind in the afternoons and it's looking like on Saturday it's going to be gusting up to 25 mile an hour for the later starters. PJ Tour might pull the tees forward, yeah? But I still think they're going to be, even if they pull... Them to a seven a.m. start and the leaders going out at twelve, you know, or eleven. You're still going to get a scenario where, you know, mid afternoon you got twenty mile an hour gusting winds, mm. and it's the same on Sunday, fifteen to twenty mile an hour gusting winds. Now, we saw Patrick Cantley win here. I was on board twenty to one three years ago, and it played to nine under par. Yeah, yeah when I went back into was- my records. Thursday was quiet, so people were still shooting crazy scores on Thursday. And then the Friday and the Saturday, it was gusting 20, 25 mile an hour. And all of a sudden, the scores stopped. And all of a sudden, one under and two under par around here was a good score. So I think it's almost going to be like a sprint. Who can get to the lead and top of the leaderboard first two days and then you're going to be holding on and playing a lot more defensive, grinding, bogey avoidance golf Saturday and Sunday. I don't think it's going to be a situation where people are going to be shooting 11 under par on a Sunday like a Doc Redman and backdooring a top three. I just don't think the conditions are going to allow it. So a fast starter. People that have been starting fast recently might be an angle to take here. Mm. Yeah, okay. And although it's a resort golf course, it's actually um, a golf course where if you do miss greens, you're dead anyway because you're not going to be making enough birdies. I get that. But TPC Summerlin is always ranked in the top 10, top 12, most difficult courses on tour for sand saves and scrambling. So it's a handful when the wind blows around it. So I actually put into the predictor model this week, I didn't actually put resort level scoring into the predictor model variables. I think this is going to be more kind of mid-score. I see that Kaufman won round here in 2015 at 16 under par. So I don't think we're going to see Kevin Narr 23 under, Bryson DeChambeau 21 under. And people might say to me on Friday night, oh yeah, the leader's on 14-under already. But if this gets windy and nasty over the weekend, or nastier, I'm not not saying it's an open championship, you might find that 17-18-under wins this.
1: Yeah, yeah. the the, the score's just not going to escalate at the same kind of pace. And if the conditions are are toughening up, that makes sense,
0: doesn't it? I mean, last year, Paul, 5-under was the cut line. (laughs) 5-under. If you were four under, you were missing the cut and going home. <laughs> going home, yeah. Crazy, eh? I don't I, I that cut line might be the same because it does look perfect the first two days. So yeah. You know, it's it's gettable. Um but I think it's gonna it's gonna play harder in the afternoon. So with that in mind, winning prices recently here, it's a real it's a total uh, mismatch really. Um, we had last year Kevin Narr at 70-1. to 1. And Kevin Nahr was one of those top 50 in the world kind of angle plays. Yeah, yeah. Nah had missed the Tour Championship. And he knew that if he wanted to stay in the top 50, he needed to do something. Uh, he was 40th in the world winning this. So, picks up his second win of the season. He'd won at Colonial that year. And, you know, and the and the garden drosy going into Christmas. Kevin Niles, seventy to one. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau won at fourteen to one in twenty eighteen. That was the year where he had won two FedEx Cup playoff events, uh, and his last event was the Tour Championship, where he finished nineteenth. So actually, he'd gone off the board. I remember tipping him up for that. But what I actually missed with DeChambeau was that he actually finished like a train at that Tour Championship. Mm. He shot f- closing rounds at that Tour Championship preceding coming here. He shot a round 3.66, which was tied second in the field, and a round 4.67, which was tied fourth. And that's, again, another thing we saw with Narr last year. He missed the cut on his previous outing, arriving here. So if your players miss the cut, they can still win this. Uh, and, and you fancied them but he'd finished 14th at the Greenbrier Classic where he'd shot around 164 which was T second in the field so again there's players here flashing very low rounds in tournaments directly before winning this uh, you can throw that at Cantlay as well. He'd, he'd shot a 69, tied fifth round at the WGC HSBC on his outing before, and also he'd finished. Uh, he'd shot a, a round to 65 at the BMW Championship, which was tied third in the field. The outing before that. So I'm looking for players that are flashing some good scores as well. But I'm going back to this angle. I want players that have been hitting lots of fairways recently. And I also want players that have been putting nicely recently. And if they can if they've been flashing some scores, yeah, all good. Um, I can't say fairer than that either. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um and let's be frank, we've got we've got plenty of players to choose from this, this week. Yeah. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do before I go into mine. I know for a fact that well, I don't, but I'm guessing that you will have you will have you'll be mentioning a couple of longer shots. Oh, yeah, I, that been, I won't have covered off in my tips. Is yeah, that true?
1: Yeah, I've got yeah, I've got two players. So let, let's let's big, do
0: the longer shots and then I'll go for the more obvious stuff. Yeah, I, I,
1: I've only backed two, and while you've been talking, I've um, I've, I've made my mind up on a third, which I'll I'll go through because I know. And again, he doesn't conflict with any of yours. The ones I've backed, um, I've backed Carl Stanley at 175 to one. He actually was quite um, quite elevated on your predictor, which um, I'm sure you'll go through in a second. Um, he missed the cut last week, but um, 74 the first round, 68 in the second was one of the better rounds. So again, this kind of correlates with the point you were making about these these odd, um, decent rounds here and there. Um, he was 67 to open at the Corrales before that, 68 to close, so a couple of decent rounds again. Um, and fifth after the second, after two rounds at the Barracuda. So there's some decent, recent enough form with Carl Stanley. Um, 66 and 65. He shot at the three M Open before that. Again, um, you know, again, there's there's some decent signs and, and better than the form suggests. I think if you look at his raw form line, Summerlin's a good fit for him. Again, you talked about accuracy. He's one of the better, better, more accurate players out there. Um, Kyle Stanley, tenth here in 2011, seventh in 2016, and actually, he's not putting too badly um, for for Kyle. And that is the thing that usually lets him down. But he's you know, reasonably kind of middling performances with a flat stick, which is good. Um, got a previous win on Ben Grass as well. So at the price, I was quite happy to take Kyle Stanley on.
0: Well, his two wins, one on pure Ben Grass, yeah. That was TPC Potomac. Yeah. And that other win was a very logical win for this because he won the first of his titles at TPC Scottsdale, didn't he?
1: That's right. And yep.
0: that's that's in the desert in Phoenix, we're clearly, you know waste management and party party tournament. He won that, and those greens there are those uh, Bermuda grass greens that they overseed with bent yeah. grass. Yeah. yeah. So you could argue that both of his wins are on bent grass. Yeah, they so, do. Yeah, and I, uh, yeah. It does play It does. Play,
1: it, does uh, it does play very much like bent grass, doesn't
0: it? Over there, mm, very much like that. Yeah. Uh, that
1: that track. Yeah. The, the other one I've done is I've stuck with Pat and Kaziah who I was on last week. Isaiah. Three hundred and fifty to one. I thought I'd looked at the price. I thought I've just got to take it. Really, it's got a second and a fourth place here. If I was brave enough to back him last week, and it didn't quite happen, even though there was um, a couple of half decent rounds there. It was Sixty nine, he shot in round two. Sixty eight in round four. So a couple of half decent rounds. Um sixty seven in round two of the Karates before that as well, and he's. Been putting quite nicely, and, and again, you know, we talked about players who can go over the line and can't go over the line. And Kazai is one of those players who, who clearly can go over the line. So, um, with his course form, I was quite happy to take three hundred and fifty to one and just stick for a second consecutive week with him. So now the two I've back the third one who I am going to back um, on the basis of you talking about these kind of very low recent forms um, is Charlie Hoffman at eighty yeah. to one. Um, He was the first round leader, as is his want. Charlie is one of these players, isn't he? I think I described to Barry um, Charlie Hoffman as an expensive Matt Every um, in conversation last week, um, where he's one of these players who's always a bit of a a discount in terms of a bit bit more, a a lower price than the, the likes of an Every, but he's also one who can pop up and play particularly well, and particularly well in a first round performance. And if you're saying that you're going to have to really make a score over Thursday, Friday this week and then oh, yeah. hang about.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. And we know Hoffman's a great win player. He is, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, 80 to 1. Um, I haven't backed him yet, but I'll be doing that while you're talking in a, in a few seconds time. And uh, I'll get that one in the you, books. You know that Hoffman
0: was close for me. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. We, we discussed um, him a little he bit. He didn't
0: make it, but he was. He, I, I could get there. Um I will point. I will point listeners in the direction of the predictor model this week, that have, does have a wind positive variable on it, yeah. and you get to see over the last five years players that have performed well in the wind. Now I'm again. I'm not saying this is going to be an open championship, but when it's gusting fifteen to twenty, it will sort a few of them out. Yeah. I guarantee it. Yeah, Focus You'll see mind. players fall down the leaderboard. Oh, another one, and I I'll, I'll put this out there. You know, as I always say, people want. Um, people want and appreciate um, views and 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 you know opinions on the podcast. Again, for me, Matthew Wolf, I haven't seen anything from him to suggest that he can play well in fifteen mile an hour, twenty mile an hour wind. Mm. I think that might be a weakness of his.
1: Yeah, or something. I followed him. Over time.
0: Um, I just when I when I see it getting windy, it tends to fall away, but. Mm. We'll see. Clearly, he'll win by six and make me look like a fool. <laughs> but yeah, at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to pick holes in 144 players yeah, to yeah, yeah. eventually yeah. find some value. You can't value back them all, and, Steve, can you? You can't back them all. So that was a reason why I didn't go for Wolf this week. Top 10 of the predictor model. Again, um, you can access it at Golf Betting System. 10, Sung Jm 35 to 1, we bet 365. These are the best prices this morning over here in the UK. Nine is Kevin Na, seventy to one. with bet three six five, defending champion. Eight is Patrick Cantlay, eighteen to one with UniBet, six places each way. Again, he won here three years ago. Seven, Brian Hartman. Brian Harman pops up in the predictor model every year here because he's the kind of sort a good putter. Yeah, ax, he's a wind. Kevin Na type. Yep. Yeah, seventy to one. with bet three six five from Brian Harman. Six, the new sensation that is Will Zalatoris. All of a sudden, where we were getting Will at twelve to one. He's now at sixty-six to one this week. Mm. Unibet six places each way. He will pop Zalatoris at some point. He will, um, yeah. The one thing I will say about him, bearing in mind I've only watched him for three PGA Tour events, his putting is the weakness, which would seem to rule him out at a putting contest.
1: Yeah, and he hits lots. He hits lots of greens, doesn't he? He just uh, just needs to convert a few more.
0: Yeah, he's not. He's not the hottest. If you can really say it from three tournaments that you can make a judgment on someone, mm. five is Hideki Matsuama, 22 to one with William Hill, eight places each way. All the last five prices are William Hill, eight places each way. Four is Harry's English, 28 to one with William Hill. Three, Tony Finau, 20 to one. Two, Bryson DeChambeau, seven to one, the favourite. Number one, you won't be surprised, it's a statistical model. Webb Simpson, 11 to one, who's a coarse. Winner. His numbers are always oh, it's always going to be, but eleven to one, it's like does Webb Simpson win three times in a year? He hasn't in the past. Am I getting involved at elevens? No, I'm not. Prices here do vary. I mean, you get two hundred twenty five to one winners, but if you actually look at the history of this, Bird was fifties, Nar was sixties, more. Ryan Moore was 14s. That was a bad renewal. <laughs> uh, he was the favourite. Twenty thirteen was Simpson at twenties, and then twenty to one Cantlay, fourteen to one Deschamps, seventy to one Nair. I'm forgetting about Pampling, Kaufman, and Martin, and who all over, you know big two hundred plus. So that kind, of, anyway, you know, that's that's the range I'm peppering. I'm not going super super short. I'm I'm looking from twenty eight to sixties kind of range I like this week. I was close on Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. Very, very close on Hoffman. I was very, very close on JT Poston. Um, Barry isn't on the show. Um, He's busy running his business. But he's given to us four players that he likes at juicy odds. Now, I don't know what the odds are. Paul might be able to confirm the odds for me as we talk through them. He has gone for James Hahn. His summary on Hahn is hot form. I'll add to that that Hahn is definitely a West Coast golfer. And he's got good form in the desert in the past. And he just likes Pebble Beach and places like that. So James Hahn, what price would Hahn be? Yeah,
1: I'm just finding him. Uh, Read read them through and I'll I'll give you a summary at the end.
0: He's gone for Denny McCarthy, a hot putter. He's gone for JT Poston, who, again, I was extremely close to picking. He's a hot putter. Uh, Came close last week. I think he also finished fourth here in the past. I think he was third or fourth here the year that Cantley won. And he's also gone for Cam Davis. As we know, Davis has been playing some fantastic stuff of late. Just needs to get that little bit of mental steel to actually realise, and I said this in the podcast last week, he's better than he probably thinks he is. So Cam Davis, JT Poston, Denny backdoor McCarthy, who does like a backdoor top six, and James Hahn. Those so to Han, four.
1: yeah, to Hahn's out there. You can get a bit of 150s on Hahn. Wow. JT yeah, he's been playing two top tens on the trial, hasn't he, for JT? Wow. JT Poston, 90 to 1. He clearly played well last week. Denny McCarthy, 80s. And Cam Davis, if Cam Davis comes and bites you on the backside, Steve, then Mm. 70-1 to is out there. More than possible. Cam Davis Davis at the moment. Which shows you the quality of the field compared to last week. Clearly these players did play well last week and we've still been pushed out.
0: Well, Sam Burns read a lot of Twitter last week and clearly people kept coming up to him (laughs) him on the range going, you're one of the favourites, Sam, Is right, And (laughs) he completely um, done what a lot of young players do. He was twenty-eight to one last week. He's hundred to one this week on yeah. Sam Burns. So you know it'll be the same on DK. I expect he was the most owned player on DK last week. I expect his thirty percent ownership will be down to about two percent this. week. So if you want to get on Sam Burns, wouldn't be a bad yeah, week. Complete a week. Complete a week for that contrary look. Right here, here's where I'm at. High class players who I think will go well. I have gone for in price order this this guy to me paul is always always overpriced for what he's been doing in golf recently sebastian munoz mm. 66 to 1 yeah 18th in boston these are in mini majors with the very best players 8th in the bmw 9th in the tour championship yeah, defended good. last week at the sanderson farms and he started with an 8 under 64 which was the tied best Starting round yeah, last it, Thursday. He was right up there with Charlie, wasn't he? Guess what he's doing? Hitting tons of green, uh, tons of fairways, putting well, and hitting, hitting his, his approach play nicely. He's won in Colombia. Colombia's where he's won, I think it's 7,000 feet in altitude. He's finished second and third in Mex Mexico, which again is one of these high altitude where they play at Chapultepec. Now, yeah. it isn't Chapultepec, but it's in the same area as Chapultepec. So what's that? Eight thousand square. F- uh, 8, yeah, it's about six 30s.
1: or seven. But yeah, it's, it's a It's a long way. It flies a long, long way there.
0: Yeah. Sixth in Utah in the at the Corn Ferry. I also like the fact that he's finished third and seventh at the Greenbrier, which again pure bent grass greens. Kevin Nars won there. Kevin Nars won here twice. Deschambeaux's done well there. Simpson's done well there. He just ticks so many boxes. Mm. I'm getting sixty sixes. In fact, I'm I've been really skinny with him. I could have gone and got. Uh, eighty to one on him. If I'd to prepare to take five places each way, yeah, yeah,
1: you make your choice for that, don't you? If you want the extra places, I'll then... take
0: the sixty sixes and the eights. Mm. Um, so I've gone for Munoz. He's a one twenty on the exchange right now. I, I, I don't really understand why, but there you go. You could argue that he's more Bermuda grass positive than bent grass, but then those performances on bent grass at Greenbrier. Go against that. I just think he's a very talented player. And if he won this at 66 to 1, you'd go, wow. He's been playing so well. I can't really believe I didn't pick him. The other one at that kind of price point who's already proven popular and I do think is going to go extremely well is the Wunderkind, Joachim Neiman. He's at this kind of, he's got that top 50 angle as well. Because I think he's something like 48th in the world rankings. He's 47th right now in the world rankings. Yes, he qualified for the Tour Championship, so that gets him a lot of exemptions for last year. But actually, I bet you he said at the start of the season, what I want to do is get to the Tour Championship and be a top 50 in the world player. Yeah, I bet that was one of yeah. his goals. Personal goals, yeah. Yeah, personal goals. And I just like the places that he plays well at and has played well at. There is a definite... I mean, you just say DeChambeau Cantley. The first course that I would say to you is Memorial... Mm. Muirfield Village they've both won there oh, I'd also say to you Harbour Town they've both done well at Harbour Town those two courses seem very very close from a correlation perspective Harbour makes sense doesn't it because Harbour is really claustrophobic yeah, it's a shot golf second year golf course Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kevin Nars done well there mm-hmm. we know about Webb Simpson he's won here and he's won there he, he just gets top five there every year doesn't he Simpson mm-hmm. Neiman was third there this year Oh sorry, fifth. And I've always said to you, Neiman on Bermuda Grass for me is a huge no-no. He just can't putt on it. But Bengrass, oh my god. Bengrass. He was third at the BMW Championship two outings ago. Oh sorry, three outings ago. He he came he was the only player, him and Matsu were the only players that got anywhere near John Rahm and Dustin Johnson at mm, Chicago, yeah. in Chicago. Yeah, I remember. Bent Grass Greens. Uh, and he also finished 23rd at the US Open, which I thought for Joachim Neiman, who's more of a kind of birdies and let's get them kind of player, that started to show a level of maturity that I can mix it in majors and I can play grinding golf if I have to. I have the capability to do that. Where normally the US Open, I'd say to you, oh, well, Neiman would miss the cut. Bearing in mind he's a young lad, isn't he? 21. So I just think Neiman this week ticks a lot of boxes. 60 to one I got on. Mm. And then twos at 28, um, Harris English, who is just playing outstanding golf right now. Outstanding golf, Harris English. And he's made the World's Top 40. He's made the Tour Championship. He's finished fourth in a major at the US Open. And I said to you um, a while ago, uh, we had... Ryan Moore finished third at the Tour Championship, came here and won. I think Simpson finished fourth at the Tour Championship, came here and won. I could just see him doing the same. It's like, I started this year at 400th in the world. I'm now in the top 40. I've had a fantastic season, but I just need to get that third PGA Tour win. get that win. And this course is perfect for him. It's a really good putter, English. His approach play's been excellent. And the thing that's always held him back He's a very errant driver. He's been all over the place off the tee when he plays badly at Harris English. Cannot hit a fairway for love nor money. That is the thing that's become so much more consistent. He's driving, hitting some, tons and tons of fairways. And the rest of his game just clicks. And his scrambling game. And his win play is fantastic. I think English is a great chance this mm. week. Yeah. He's not sexy, is he? And you could be going, oh, well, I'd rather have Matthew Wolfe at 28-1. Or oh, Hideki Matsuama, he's about the same price. Yeah, Morikawa's 22s. He's a winning machine, lives in Las Vegas. Get all that. But English, I he's not sexy, but he just ticks all the boxes statistically right now. The other one I'm really excited about, who has been putting really well recently, um, hits more fairways than you'd ever give him credit for bearing in mind he's a 320 30 yard driver Scotty Scheffler and I did hit Cantley here three years ago on the basis that he was a non-winner on the PJ Tour but this is the kind of event that he needs to win and should win I yeah. think Scheffler's in the same boat Yeah. not the best putter in the world I grant you but he's actually second in my eight week putting average tracker Yes, yeah, that's trend, because he's then? been yeah something's trending then. Yeah, he's been hitting the ball close. And you know, I've heard many a commentator say this. Um Jeff Feinberg mentions it a lot on the on his podcast with Pat Mayo. You never really see Scheffler putting for bogey, he's always putting for birdie mm. or easy pars, just tapping pars. Very, very good player Scheffler. Um and he he just comes alive for me. He was 11 to 1, 12 to 1 favorite last week and he hadn't played for a month, had COVID. He's got that all out of his system. Um, I think he shot one under, uh, sorry, one over in round one, and then he shot a 67-5 under on Friday last week, which again was tied fourth best round of the day. Bearing in mind, he hadn't played for a month and had clearly been in some kind of COVID lockdown. He's ready. He's definitely ready, Scotty Scheffler. I'm surprised that I was surprised by the reaction, Paul. I thought he'd be a lot shorter than twenty-eight to one. Well, that's a decent he the film favourite team, last man. week, yeah. and he just literally finished effectively second at the Tour Championship two yeah. outings ago. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. He, was, he, he was the closest, wasn't he? Yeah, I, that's the impact of having the likes of a Bryson, a Simpson at the top of the market. You know, Cantley, you talked about has got an outstanding record here, hasn't he? So, um, not playing great though, is he? No, Cantlay? no, no, no. But they're going to push but they don't the don't ever there. seem
0: to really give you a good price on Cantley. No,
1: no, no, no. He's just one of these that they keep to the point where they know he's good enough to win, and when he does, you're just not going to get rewarded for for mm. making that uh, that connection and getting the, getting the right week with him.
0: You don't really get drift with Cantley. I no. don't. They they keep him on the side. I mean, they let Finau drift, but yeah, Cantley's just not hitting enough fairways. At Finau, I've already discussed. Morikari is a real serious danger. It's whether Morikara can make enough putts, Mm. uh, 22 to 1. And we know that he's already won in the desert, didn't he? He won the Barracuda. I said to you about the link to uh, Memorial, Muirfield Village. Clearly, he won there this year at the workday. Morikara would be my other selection up at the top of the market. But I've gone for Harris English, Scotty Scheffler. I have gone for yoking the Wunderkind Neiman. And Sebastian value price Munoz. Very good. That's the podcast we've done and dusted, I think. Indeed. That's the last oh, one. thing I didn't say were well, your prices on the exchange, because I know that people love to know. Munoz 120, Neiman is 55, Scheffler is 34, English is 30, and on yours, Rose is 24, Poulter is 48, Horsey Paul 370 and Shabanka Sharma 170.
1: That's a mad price on David Horsey.
0: Mm.
1: But yeah, I, I think it's more of an each-way pick, which is, you know, clearly how I've played it, but that is a big, bigger
0: number. You're going to struggle to lay 370 on David Horsey at the BMW Championship. Mm. <laughs> he, he'd li- literally need to be winning by three going into the back nine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and
1: it would still, still, still be 10 to 1 or something.
0: Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. people would still be laying the hell out of him. Mm. Thank you for your time. Good luck with your bets this week, Paul. Yeah, let's let's grab did... a winner.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed. It's got to turn, Steve. I'm sure these these crossbars are going to turn into goals soon. So, fingers crossed it's this Lovely.
0: week. Lovely. Thank you for your time, Paul. We'll speak to you again next week. And uh, thank you to the listeners. It's always a pleasure. The uh, podcast continues to grow in its popularity. Just do us a favour. Send us a review. Five stars absolutely fantastic. Uh, We'll clearly read them out on next week's show. And if you've got a mate that likes a bit of golf betting or just betting in general, why don't you mention the Golf Betting System podcast? That'd be absolutely fantastic over a pint down the pub. We will see you again next week. Goodbye.